We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk and the Friday Rapid Fire, along with Vince D'Addario, Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers, and apparently <laughs> Brian's show just ended. I don't know wow. what time they started today, but thanks for the heads up, Lance. <laughs> I mean, usually at one, unless they, you know, change things up a little bit, I suppose. Must have had a lot to talk about today. Yeah, must yeah. have. I don't know. We were just talking before um, we fired up. We fight, you know, we hit the uh, the start button, whatever you want to call it. I was, you know, back in the radio days, you would say on the, you know, before we went on the <laughs> air. Obviously, it's not on the air, but on the stream. Interesting that um, Mike Bray had another decommitment. Two of the three in the class have decommitted. But even more interesting is that former Notre Dame standout Demetrius Jackson has uh, been hanging around. I've seen him the last couple of weeks, and this week he was the the scout team player of the week, apparently, for Notre Dame women's basketball. He was uh, doing an impersonation of Florida State's best player, the leading scorer in the ACC, Tanaya Latson, and uh, so he, uh, he gave the women some practice, and they shut her down last night. So okay. there he you gets go. the award. I'm- I mean, they've always had like male teams come in, like you know, male yeah. group of guys, uh, yeah, like students, students. basically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So they want to keep their hoop dreams alive, and they come in and they play against the starters and the and whatever, and it, it's very beneficial. And I could see how that would be beneficial. And you bring in a former NBA player, yeah, I could see how that could be beneficial too. Very beneficial, like you know, because yeah. like, how else are you gonna, you know, impersonate? That high end, you know, skill and agility. Well, you bring in an NBA player. Yeah, (laughs) I remember when I was in um, college, our women's basketball team, like Vince was talking about, there was a group of got students that they put together, you know, pretty athletic, and they would run them as like a practice squad throughout the entire season. And their reward for that is they took them on like their opening season trip wherever they decided to go. Okay, Uh, and that was usually somewhere nice, like you know, the women's basketball team. Notre Dame women's basketball team went to the to the Bahamas. Was that right? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, they went. I think they went to like Hawaii one year and another, like Arizona another year. Man. And that team, that group of you know that practice squad guys got to travel with. That was a reward for their season long efforts. That's interesting because I don't think like at the Division One level, I don't think they're allowed to do that. I don't think they're allowed to bring practice squad players along. But hey, you can. That's that's a pretty cool reward. Yeah, it is. <laughs> As a guy Tie me up. Player. Let's yeah, go. I'll go to Hawaii or the Bahamas or whatever. You know, <laughs> get pounded around a little bit on the hardwoods. But, Man, no kidding. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, hit the like button if you would. As we get set to get started, we've got a slew of different topics tonight, and I've I've been waiting all day to see where you guys stand on these first two Notre Dame related topics. I'm uh, I'm waiting with bated breath to see exactly, you know, I kind of have an idea on the first one, but uh, so here is the first one. I I won't waste any time. So Daniel Jeremiah, he's from the NFL network. And maybe you saw this tweet the other day. Here is Daniel Jeremiah's tweet. He says he's a draft analyst. Obviously he says my tight end order as of January 26th, which I guess was 
yesterday. So we tweeted this yesterday. We didn't have a show yesterday, so that's why we're talking about it today. Number one on his list, Dalton Kincaid of Utah. Number two on his list, Darnell Washington of Georgia. Number three on Daniel Jeremiah's list, Michael Mayer, of course, of Notre Dame. Number four, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Number five, Sam Laporta from Iowa. Jeremiah says, as of today, six tight ends in my top 50. Excellent class. So, guys, what do you think of this ranking of Daniel Jeremiah's top five tight ends? It's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I don't know what tape he's watching. I don't know what film, you know, he has put in, what games he's watching. How? I just don't understand what he see. I mean, Washington wasn't even the best tight end on his team. And yet he's the second best tight end in the country or, you know, in the, in the, in the draft, draft rankings. Come on, give me a break. Look, Washington is a big dude. So if we're doing like a Mr. Olympia He's contest, very big, actually. Yeah, like 6'7", okay. 270. He looks right. the right? Yeah. He's huge. But he's not as good as Michael Mayer. Not even close. And the Kincaid kid, I'm sorry. I watched a lot of games of Utah for whatever reason this year. And <laughs> I was wondering to myself what the fuss was about with him compared to Michael Mayer and uh, the Bowers kid from Georgia. I don't I – don't, you got those two, and then you've got everybody else. And I just never saw what that was all about. That This is 100% clickbait, in my opinion, because it got all ah, the Notre Dame people stole my riled thunder. up. Yeah, I got all the Notre Dame people riled up. Well, it even got Ryan riled up. He was all ticked off. On here's the problem with the, with the clickbait argument, though. It, he, it's not like he linked a story to this. He just linked oh. his rankings. You yeah, know, right. yeah, but you can so, still want that attention to your Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, and it still can, stirs people. I mean, all yes, you've got to do does. on Twitter to stir people up is, is put up any list, basically, because as strongly as you might feel and as much as you might feel like, well, everyone's going to agree with this. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's like, like Jenga is the number one table game followed by dominoes and you know, what, you know, checkers, whatever. You're going to have 8 million people coming at you and telling you how stupid you are for putting up your list. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
it was a terrible list. I'm sorry. It's like he just put all the names in a bag, shook it up, and then just pulled names out. Like that's what it looked like to me. That's his evaluation process. Yeah, and it's you know when I when I when I read this, I was I was like, okay, well, I want to eliminate my biases, so I'm curious to you know what other people would would say. And in my personal opinion, if we were ranking the three, I actually would have Mayor one, Kincaid two, uh, and Washington three. Really, all Washington is is a projection for what his skill set could potentially be because he hasn't shown that he can be that consistent pass catcher. He hasn't shown that he can be that consistent run blocker, that he can be you know a menace down in the red zone, unlike someone like Michael Mayer. And I think that's where I had a hard time is because, yeah, there's a guy like Washington who has some you know intangibles like the sight, the, the height, the size, the speed, and that kind of stuff. But you know, he hasn't really shown it on the field yet. Uh, as a tight end and Michael Mayer, everyone knew he was a prominent or the number one target in the Notre Dame offense this season. And he still was the leading, you know, catch catch guy for Notre Dame. So I, I ultimately thought it was clickbait. I was reading through Mel Kuyper's top tight ends. You know, he has Kincaid at four, Washington at six and Mayer at one. So it's like, you know, I'm going to probably trust someone like Mel Kuyper, who whose job is year round to kind of study <laughs> and break down positions compared to one guy who's kind of firing off, you know, what seems to be some clickbait because he it immediately got everyone fi- fired up on Twitter. So right. it had to be the, the root of the the evil there. I mean, depth charts are relative because obviously, theoretically, you know, like look at Matt Castle, for example, at USC, you know, like he came out, not that he had a great pro career, but he ended up having a pro career and started in the NFL after never starting at USC, you know, but at the same time, it's like, no one has ever heard of Washington, literally. Like, all anyone talks about is Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, you know, got right. the award and, you know, everything else. And then all of a sudden, okay, Daniel Jeremiah, here comes Darnell Washington. Because, again, like Vince said, I mean, the guy is a freaking physical. He's an Adonis. Don't get yes. me wrong. He's a muscular. Yes. And, like, he's the whole, like, if you're, you know, you're posing and you're doing all this. Yeah, okay, he wins that award. But that's yeah. it. But, like, I went and, you know, saw some other draft evaluations of this guy. Doesn't have a second gear, won't threaten, you know, the top of the defense. Because he doesn't have top-end speed and is good, not great, he doesn't warrant safety help. You know, those kind of things. It's like, how can you right. – how, how are you going to put – you know, because, like, the worst things they're saying about Michael Mayer is, like, well, his blocking technique could be a little bit better. You know, True. he could have a little bit more diversity with his – pass routes and those kind of things it's like everyone recognizes the skill that's there and I, I just don't know how like you know all all anyone wants to talk about all season is Bowers down there at Georgia and now because he's not draft eligible all of a sudden the guy who was second behind him by a mile by the way at actually playing the position all of a sudden yeah. that guy's ahead of Michael Mayer and oh by the way Michael Mayer is the all-time leading tight end in every category for tight ends at Notre Dame, a school, by the way, that has cranked out tight end after tight end for basically the last 20 years. Bingo. I just, yeah. Bingo. Nailed it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately what it comes down to is what, what everyone is fascinated with, what Darnell Washington could potentially be, not what he is, you know, right now, in in my opinion. Yeah. You could ever bank on what's going to be. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there's there's potential, there's upside. Like, I look at him at Washington, and again, like you read his draft evaluations, you see a little bit of him, you see his size, and it's like, to me, he just screams like inline tight end. You know, he's more like Troy Nicholas than, you know, a, a receiving tight end type guy. So, well, Dan- Daniel Jeremiah, I guess he did his, his thing because we aggregated him and yep. everyone's, you know, coming at him and he got are. what he was looking for. You know, he got what he was looking for. He got his attention. <laughs> so now he can keep putting out faulty draft rankings and getting yelled at for the next, what, three months, four months, whatever it is at this <laughs> point. All right. Here's, here's something interesting that I saw. This one comes from uh Stuart Mandel's mailbag on the athletic, you know, like, Athletic writers, they'll do a mailbag, you know, kind of thing, post a question, answer the question. Someone asked Stuart Mandel this on The Athletic, and it has to do with Notre Dame. So the reader says, let's look at Notre Dame. It seems the Irish are in a lose-lose situation. If they join a conference, 
they will become just another team in the new conference and lose their national brand. On the other hand, if they remain independent, they will have no shot at half of the playoff berths since they're not a conference champion and may risk losing a conference chair when the music realignment stops, i.e. conferences expand and won't have room for Notre Dame in the future. What should Notre Dame do? And that is from Rob in South Carolina. So guys, do you buy or sell any of this hypothetical dilemma that Rob is uh, pointing to here for Notre Dame? Well, first and foremost, thank you, Rob, from South Carolina. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I sell this, and I sell this because at the end of the day, I think Notre Dame has weighed all of their possible outcomes and determined what is going to be the best for them going forward. And I don't think that a dilemma exists because I do agree if they join a conference, they will probably lose some of that national branding that they have and kind of become, you know, another team within a pool of another teams. All up Penn State. Yeah. Right. And so I, I, if that, that would be the dilemma to me, you'd be in a dilemma if you did that, but remaining independent, there is no dilemma because yeah, you're not going to maybe get a first round buy, but you have the potential to host a game still. There's, you know, potentially the, the playoff is going to be expanding. So if Notre Dame can't be in that, you know, 12, 12 team field, then that's, that's their own personal dilemma. I don't think that there's a dilemma by remaining independent um, really until, you know, it, 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 and when the playoffs expand, then really there's, I have, I don't see a dilemma um, at all. I, I only think a dilemma exists if they were to join a conference because they would just be a big pond or a big fish, you know, in a, in a bigger pond, essentially right now they're, they're the biggest fish swimming in their own pond so they can do whatever they want. I agree completely. This is a huge sell for me because right now, as it stands, Notre Dame can only be one of six teams because you got the five conference champions. You've got the one, you know, group of five, right? And there's 12. So there's six other spots. Notre Dame has to get one of those spots. If they go to super conferences, they actually have an opportunity to get more spots because that's less conference champions. So I don't see it True. as a negative in any way, shape or form. And they knew what they were getting themselves into when they agree. I mean, Jack Swarbrick helped build this plan. You don't think he understood yes. what he was getting himself into? Exactly what he was getting he into. He was an author of this plan, right? He knew there's no way that Notre Dame will ever right. be higher than fifth. I don't see a problem with that personally because, number one, you get to host, like Jesse said. Number two, you're playing the same amount of games as the conference champion because you right. don't play in a conference championship. And now so you're just play making the it up. You're making by it never up. getting a bye. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. And it's a home game. Which you can't even say that about the conference. Potentially, championship games. it's you're not guaranteed well, a home. You're game. right. You're right. You're right. Right. And if Notre Dame has a chance of winning a championship, it's going to be a home game. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Um, so yeah, I don't see it as a detriment in any way, shape, or form. Frankly, it's a huge sell for me. Yeah, I mean the only. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, it's just like why Notre Dame would never put themselves in a situation that is going to cause them to right. have conflict down the road, right? Like they're going to make yeah. the best decisions on their own interest. That's and again, you know, we've talked about it again and again. The expansion of the college football playoff was essentially, you know, like if you wanted to say Jack Swarbrick and his two-step plan, you know, step one was get the college football playoff to expand. Boom, it's going to expand. There's going to be 12 teams. The top four teams are going to get a buy. The top, you know, the yeah, the conference champions all get automatic bids, you know, the 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 power five and then the best group of five get the automatic bids, but do the math. There are only four spots right now, and that still leaves six spots after those other teams get in. So there's still going to be more available spots for Notre Dame, even though, as this guy is saying, six spots are going to be you know, taken care of. The only thing I agree with him on is the thing about joining a conference. I do completely agree that, that they become just another school if they Absolutely. join a conference. That's why they want part of why they want to avoid that at all costs. And, you know, as father David Penny says, there's always going to be room for Notre Dame. You know, when we had, we played the Andrew Marshan comments earlier this week, and that's something that we talked about. The big 10 has a Notre Dame clause. Like there is a specific number in the big 10's TV contract that if they were to add Notre Dame, here's what Notre Dame would get. Here's, you know, essentially what all the shares go to 
for Notre Dame and all the Big Ten schools. It it, it would obviously change things if you add Notre Dame to the mix. There's always going to be room for Notre Dame. Like, there's never going to be you know a musical chairs of conference realignment that Notre Dame gets left out of. If they want a spot, the ACC is practically begging them to come in yeah. right now. And I still completely believe that, like, when you look at how the men's and women's basketball teams are being treated with different scheduling issues and things like that, things that are promised that didn't come through with the ACC. When you look at the stupidity of the buys that Notre Dame ended up with in, in football for next season as and where they are, that's because of the ACC and the way the ACC is scheduling it. I, I think that the ACC is trying to, you know, put the screws to them right now and oh, make yeah. them uncomfortable and be like, yeah, you know, things would be a lot better if you were over here with us. But Bottom line, there's always going to be a spot for Notre Dame, and they're not going to get left out of the playoff. This is all no – everything way. is good for Notre Dame right now. Expanding the playoff is only going to benefit Notre Dame, period. Yeah. It's yeah. only going to benefit them. And step two, step two of the process, by the way, and I'll let you finish here in a second, Just Step two, I said step one was the expansion of the playoff. Step two is what we talked about on Monday, Vince and I, the TV contract. Three mm -hmm. more years on this current NBC deal, and then if they get – you know. If they are able to negotiate the TV contract they're looking for, that's what that's what keeps them independent. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. there's a. All I was going to say is there is a reason why teams were jockeying over Notre Dame in this previous bowl cycle, and they were eight and four. Like there were serious jockeying going over for you know who gets the Notre Dame game. So if you're telling me that there's going to you know Notre Dame's going to have to sweat it out when it comes to the playoffs, I just I just don't believe it. <laughs> no, no way. Not a chance. Yeah. I mean, they would be like when you when you look with a 12 team format, and I agree with Crystal. Yeah. No reason <laughs> to the ACC. No, no, like and the reason the ACC, you know, would want Notre Dame so badly right now is because their TV contract that runs through 2036 sucks. And I think if they, you know, if they could add Notre Dame at any point before then then that helps them renegotiate that deal potentially sure. and get much bigger revenue from whoever it happens to be ESPN or whoever out of that yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean the the biggest thing for me is access to the playoff. And right. until they say that you can't be in the playoff unless you're a conference champion, Notre Dame's not joining a conference. Right. The the, the money part will always work itself out with Notre Dame. They're always going to be a commodity. They're always going to be able to get money. They were the only school, they were the first school to have a TV contract. Notre Dame started all of that. They are the and only now look one, yeah. at where it's at. You know what I mean? Like they were the first ones to have that. So that part will take care of itself. I'm not worried about that at all. It's always to me been about access to the playoff. And if somewhere down the line they make it so that you have to be a conference champion to be in the college football playoff, flex your muscle, make your own conference. Yeah. Start plucking well, the it, schools you want. Make the only way that would happen. Yeah, I mean. They everybody still wants them in there because they know that that giving Notre Dame a better shot, it you know the expansion of the playoff is still about a just a different TV contract. That's that's what it's all about. It's all yep. about different revenue sources and yep. like for for that to happen for for Notre Dame to be left out of an expanded playoff yeah. because they don't have a conference championship. What are they going to let the MAC champion in or the Mountain West Conference champion in over Notre Dame? Like anyone cares about watching those Not teams? A chance. People care about watching Notre Dame, and that's why that's why people are still willing to make these kind of deals with Notre Dame to include them because they know they know the value of having Notre Dame around. No doubt. So fill in the blank. Notre Dame adding Princeton defensive end transfer Cole Aubrey as a walk-on is blank. Awesome if you can get away with it. I mean, I he looks like a big-bodied kid. It's going to add depth, obviously. You know, if, depending on who you talk to, defense, you know, defensive line is a not a liability, but it's a place where they need to get better and they need depth. Okay, if he's willing to come on as a walk-on, yes, please. I mean, you don't have to waste a scholarship. I shouldn't say waste. You don't have to use a scholarship on him. He's That's not used it. to having scholarships anyway because he went to the Ivy League. Went to the Ivy League, yeah. Obviously, he's got money. Come on in, baby. Like that. This is a no lose situation for Notre Dame. None, zero. And if they have an extra scholarship when it's all said and done, they'll throw it his way. I'm sure. This is a win win. Yeah. So I, I see it as a win only because uh, it is a walk on status, and the ceiling 
will honestly be, you know, how far that uh, he takes them. But, you know, you look at kind of his, his he's six foot one, 230 pounds. Um, Princeton had him listed as a linebacker. So that kind of shows you uh, that he's, you know, potentially a little bit undersized, might have to get beefed up a little bit. And then you look at his, you know, career totals. He's got like 15 total tackles, uh, like three and a half sacks. So it's like production isn't really what like you for me to get really excited. I want to see like 10 sacks and, you know, all these sort of tackles and things. But it's never a bad thing to add depth. Um, and again, it to me, it's uh, how far will the ceiling go? Is it someone who's going to work hard and potentially, you know, get onto the playing field and add some sort of contribution? Then great. But you know, it's not obviously going to be someone who's going to like take over the game and be this complete stud. I guess no, I'm getting no, that. not by any means. And and I think depth is is the key thing here with with a line that was lacking some depth. And as Vince said, you don't have to use a scholarship on him. You're letting him walk on. He's been, you know, he'll probably get some kind of academic aid or you know whatever, right. considering yep. he is coming from Princeton. But you know, he had he didn't have great offers. I think Boston College was was like the only power five that offered him, he had offers from the service academies and, and that kind of thing. But I think worst case with this whole thing is you've got a guy who's played college football for a few years and he'll probably like Brian Mason will probably grab him and throw him on every special teams that he's got out there. Absolutely. You know, like, and if you can have a, again, a guy with experience who can go out there and be a key contributor even on special teams, we saw how much importance there is with special teams. You know, they breathe new life into special teams with Brian Mason this year. So you get some depth up front, which they sorely needed, and and probably a key special teams contributor. And you don't have to use a scholarship to, to get him. So I think it's it's great all the way around. Yep. Absolutely agree. Now, yeah, don't expect don't expect him to lead the team in sacks or anything, but he's going to be a de- <laughs> no. he's going to be a depth piece that you don't have to pay for. Like I, right. that's a huge win. It's a huge. Well, that win. he's he's going to be I, assuming you know he's going to be a competitor too. He's going to push a lot of your other guys, sure, to practice harder, to be better, and that kind of stuff as well. So I'm on I'm on the same board. It's a win win. Uh, I just wish not wish, but you know, when you bring in a defensive end, I w- I want to see like a, a stud. I want to see like. You know, a Fosky, a Micah Parsons. I want to see those that guy guys don't transfer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just wishful thinking. On my end. <laughs> it is wishful thinking on your part. Let a man dream, okay? All right, well, I'll let you dream, young stud. <laughs> speaking of of a scholarship guy who did transfer, new defensive end Javante John Baptiste uh, tweeted this the other day: "What's better, pancakes, waffles, or French toast?" So, hmm. what's your call? This is hard for me because it depends on what mood I'm in. I I will say I'm not a huge, like if I'm out to dinner or out breakfast in this case, not a huge waffle guy. Like I'm not probably going to order waffles off of a menu. Okay. So it's either pancakes or French toast. Those are two completely different items. So it really depends on what I'm in the mood for. You can't go wrong with some stuffed French toast though. So, See, I thought Vince's first question was going to be, which one's free? That's like the only thing that usually. Don't think I'm not <laughs> looking at price, okay? <laughs> price definitely comes into play here. But if I'm making them at home, it's pancakes because it's easier. Easiest to make. That's yes. right. And I don't have a waffle iron. So it's easier and less cleanup. For me, I'm going to go with waffles. I think waffles are definitely my favorite, and it's just because they're a little thicker, a little crispier. I hate when French toast and pancakes get kind of soggy uh, from all the syrup and butter and you know whatever else you put on it. To me, the waffles stay more structurally integral. Uh, there's more structural integrity to the waffle as you're eating it. It doesn't just fall apart. Uh, like so I'm pockets, little pockets yeah, of syrup. I like in there. to put like peanut butter on my waffles too. Very tasty. Uh, try it sometime, put some little chocolate chips on there. Really good. But yeah, I, I have to stick with the waffles. Um, I don't like soggy, like, uh, just, it's like a sponge at the end of just like a pancake that's just soaked up all the syrup. So I'm going with waffles. Yeah. I'm not much of a French toast either. It's like, they're a little too like soggy for me. Like, and I'm really not a, a, a like a sweet breakfast person mm. for the you know like i, I go so more hard french toast is way out for you <laughs> yeah exactly That's sweet exactly but if i'm gonna go for one it would definitely be 
the waffles, like waffles, maybe with some Nutella, you know, that kind oh. of thing. Nutella, little, little, uh, you know, little uh, Cool Whip, whatever, that kind Nutella. of stuff. Nutella. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Nutella. <laughs> Nutella is pretty good. Ah, oh, my family loves that crap. I can't, I do not like it. No hazelnut for Vince. No, uh, no hazelnut. Few different people catching up. Larry says, I've heard since grade school that Notre Dame will have to join a conference. I'll be 74 in April. <laughs> exactly. Huh? Exactly. Hanging tough, Larry. All right. <laughs> Appreciate that. He's not wrong. Uh, Zach says he used to practice with the DePaul and Loyola women's squads. So much fun. We started off talking about that. That would about be fun. Jackson. If I had any basketball talent whatsoever, that would have been fun when I yeah. was in college. See, that's the <laughs> problem is you have to have some basketball <laughs> skill to be able to do that. And that would. Yeah, they're not just running duds out there. You got to be yeah. able to run exactly. sets and that's shoot what I'm saying. and like all of it. Well, I can understand it. I can coach it. But I, I don't know that I could execute it. I think that's it was funny because the, the guys the guys who ran with the, the women's team in our at, when I was in college were also like the kings of the pickup court. And it's like, all right, guys, of course. Yeah. This like you, you're just out here, you know, flaunting. <laughs> this is what you do. Like this is, this is your job. That's right. Jonathan, first live show of the week. Hey Styers, oh, guys. Boy. How about them cowboys? He's just been Man, waiting all week just, to just Listen, I'm over it. I flushed it out. I told some <laughs> friends I'm not talking about the Cowboys till next August. So don't come at me because I'm not responding. I'm kind of liking, <laughs> kind of liking the way the staff tra- stuff is trending. All this talk out of Dallas. Yeah, they brought back Dan yeah. Quinn and fired everyone else. It's, yeah. it's and there's a nice. chance there's a chance that that uh, Kellen Moore could be gone as well. So I'm not too disappointed <laughs> about that. We won't get hung up on that because they're actually conference championship games this weekend and i've seen this topic come up this week with jalen hurts in the nfc championship game of course with the eagles which college fan base gets to claim jalen hurts alabama's or oklahoma's this uh this actually reminds me of the like the, the classic joe burrow debate that like ohio state fans Oh think come they, on! Think, no, this is a thing. No, this is a thing. Every every Ohio State <sighs> fan played Ohio State. They right. they still claim him because he spent more time there. Oh um, my goodness! But but you but, but he didn't play. He had all of his success and won a national championship. But uh, that just shows you what kind of people Ohio State fans are. It's really well, the problem is all of it's those really Ohio annoying. State fans are also Bengal fans. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they all they just want to claim him all. You know the whole and he wore like the the Ohio uh, area code. You know where he lived on draft day because he's all Ohio. Like look. He wouldn't have been Joe Burrow. He wouldn't have gone number one to the Bengals if he stayed at Ohio State. Exactly. The only reason he's relevant is because he went to LSU. He left Ohio State. So So if we're using that argument, then the Oklahoma fans should be able to claim Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen Hurts took Alabama to the national championship. See, that's what's crazy is like he had his most individual success – in his season at Oklahoma, but I still remember him more for Alabama. And, you know, but like too. the crazy thing is what got him to Oklahoma was the fact that he was good passed, at Alabama, you know, passed over by Tua. He was, yeah. you know, basically got benched and that's why he had to go to Oklahoma, but he wouldn't be in the NFL. I don't think had he not gone to Oklahoma, I, I you know, I certainly don't think that he would have been drafted where he was. So, I've got to, I think I've got to lean more towards Oklahoma because they're ultimately most responsible for getting him to the NFL. I think. I'm going to go with Alabama because he Ooh. played three full seasons Okay, at Alabama. He was the SEC freshman of the year. He was the SEC offensive player of the year in that same year. He was first team all SEC that same year. Um, he was first team all, tw- all Big 12 when he was at Oklahoma. Uh, he went, you know, he was a college football national champion in 2017 with Alabama. So again, I for me, if he would have run the table and like won a national championship at Oklahoma, then maybe, but he did the same things that he did at Alabama and he spent more time at Alabama and was a starter all the years at Alabama. So I actually am going to say that like he's an Alabama guy and I look at his Oklahoma season is almost like a grad transfer season in my eyes. Like he killed it elsewhere and got an opportunity to go somewhere else 
because he was getting passed up. So I'm going to stay uh, with Alabama on this one. So the way I'm going to go about this, because obviously I don't have a dog in the fight and I don't like either school. <laughs> so, but when I think of Jalen Hurts, I think of him in an Alabama uniform. I do too. And I, I, I don't know how else to go about it. I mean, Jesse's got the stats. You got the stats. It's for me. It's just, what do I think of? I think of him in an Alabama uniform. So I'm going with the Crimson Tide on this one. I, I don't, I don't know. He, he actually had success at both schools. Unlike Joe Burrow, which is a ridiculous thing if Ohio State fans are trying to claim him. Ridiculous. Let me, let me put it like this, though. I like what you were saying because – and when I say you, I mean my dad. I like what you're saying because I don't think – if he didn't go to Oklahoma and play in that Lincoln-Riley offense, I don't think he goes to the NFL and has the success yeah. that he has. Lincoln-Riley's offense showcased to the NFL what he can do, and now he runs a very similar offense with the Eagles. And so – both are crucial. One got him to that spot. Three years got him that spot. But then the one year he was there was the most beneficial to his career. I like what Salty was asking earlier. Who claims Drew Pine? <laughs> <laughs> Arizona like in State three now. Years, in three years, will someone want to be claiming Drew Pine? I mean, Arizona State thinks they will right now. Well, they can have him. I mean, I love yeah. Drew Pine as a human, but they can have him. That's fine. Who gets to claim uh, Caleb Williams? Oklahoma? Yeah. USC? I mean, well, he just won a Heisman at USC. So. That's true. No, that's absolutely true. And here's the other thing with the transfer portal the way it is, we're going to be able to have this debate literally every year. Every year. Right. This is the every new year. thing. Yes. 100%. We'll be 100%. talking. We'll be it's talking like in December. Who gets to claim of- Sam Hartman? Yes. Wake Forest <laughs> or Notre Dame? National that's Championship. Right. ACC all-time touchdown leader. Yeah. To me, this is a similar conversation for when a Hall of Famer retires in the NFL. Who He ultimately gets to decide. Or, right? yeah. They get to decide as the player what team yeah. you know, they, they, they want to go in at. So kind of interesting. Yep, I agree. So Joe Burrow, since his name was brought up a few times, 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes heading into the AFC Championship game this weekend. Scale of 1-10. to 10. How badly does Mahomes need to win this Sunday? Vince, you starting or am I starting? Ooh, you go ahead. You're more of an <laughs> NFL guy than I am. Um, honestly, this is really low for me. Um, I'm going to honestly put this at like a three or a four. I think he needs it more for the – the. Uh, let me put it like this. Mahomes, if his, if his career ended today, I think you could make a strong case that he would go to the Hall of Fame. I don't think he needs to prove anything more – in terms of quarterback quarterbacking, I think it's now just a pursuit of chasing down Tom Brady for potential rings throughout the duration of his career. Because I think he's going to have a long career. I think he's going to end up, if he stays healthy, um, end up passing you know a lot of these guys on the leaderboards when it's all said and done. And I think he's got to you know start chasing more rings. So the only reason I think that this is a potential has weight is because he needs to start chasing more Super Bowls. But again, I said, like I said, if his season, if his career ended today, I still think he'd make the Hall of Fame. So I think more of like a personal vendetta against Joe Burrow it has relevance and, you know, the potential to chase the Super Bowl. But I don't think it does anything for him, like career wise. OK, it's a, it a very well thought out answer. I appreciate your answer, Jesse. <laughs> the bottom line for me is I don't think Mahomes gives a crap about what his head to head battle with Joe Burrow is. He's got a he's got a Super Bowl ring. Joe Burrow doesn't. So at the end of the day, Mahomes wins right now. Now, that could all change, obviously, as Joe Burrow, maybe if he wins this one, goes on to win the you know the Super Bowl. Okay, then we're talking even. But the head-to-head thing, I just don't think it matters that much outside of, of course, they both want to go to the Super Bowl. So I, I don't think that that's what he's going to be worrying about. Well, it's like, oh, crap, I'm You think it matters to Peyton Joe Manning, Burrow. though? Like, I mean, Peyton doesn't have as many rings as Tom Brady ended up with, but he also lost a lot of AFC championship games to Tom Brady. Like, do you think the head-to-head matters to Tom Brady? Or not to Tom Brady, to, to, to Peyton Manning? I mean, he's a very competitive guy, just sure. like Brady. I, I, oh, I'm – I've got yeah. a bet that it, it uh, kind of gnaws at him a little bit still, okay. you know, because okay. like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the way I was looking at it is more from a, like the, the media standpoint, like I, it doesn't matter. I oh, okay. 
Okay. You know what I mean? To right. Mahomes, I guarantee you he's pissed off. Garrett, right. If he's in any way I mean, a competitor, he's pissed off. Agree with that. And the Bengals are calling Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead Stadium right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's funny. Like, if I'm the Chiefs especially, you know, I don't, I don't know what does or doesn't get to Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't seem overly phased by a lot of things. But, like, that would kind of bug wife. me a little bit. Well. No, don't even get much, started. Clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like this is the Chiefs' fifth consecutive AFC championship game. If they lose this Man, game, insanity. If they lose this game, it'll be two in a row to Burrow and the Bengals, and they would be two and three in home AFC championship games if they lose this game. So, like, you know, I don't know, like to Mahomes specifically what it means and all this kind of stuff. I put a little bit higher though. I put it at a six because it's like five consecutive AFC championship games. And if you come out of this and you've only won two of them, only gone to the Super Bowl twice with basically the best quarterback of the generation right now, I, you know, I don't think that there are probably too many people who would argue against Patrick Mahomes. If, if there are, go ahead and stand up and, you know, let me know. But I think he, you know, cause like, Joe Burrow, in a pretty short amount of time, you know, one, he's dominated these head-to-heads, and two, if he wins a second consecutive AFC championship game, you know, that people are going to start talking about Joe Burrow in a much different light. You know, basically, I I think almost the same light they're talking about Mahomes, assuming he can actually win the whole thing. You know, that's kind of what comes next. Yeah, that Burrow head, I even saw the – Cincinnati mayor did this video this afternoon and tweeted it and he referenced Burrowhead and I just wonder like how much wow you know like the Bengals were playing that you know no respect card and all that stuff last week against the Bills you haven't heard the Chiefs talking about it but but you do wonder like mm-hmm. how much this could be motivating them with basically everyone's talking about the Bengals with this game taking place in their home stadium this weekend absolutely All right, so if you're the 49ers, looking back at the other game, Eagles 49ers, Brock Purdy is the quarterback, of course, and he is just a rookie, famously Mr. Irrelevant, last NFL draft pick, seventh round and all that stuff out of Iowa State. If you're the 49ers, do you stick with Brock Purdy next year if he gets you to the Super Bowl? Do you go back to Trey Lance, who started off the season as the quarterback, or maybe do you explore even bringing in Tom Brady next season? What do you do if Purdy gets you to the Super Bowl this weekend? So this this just reeks to me of kind of a uh, a Foles situation, right? I mean, he won the Super Bowl for him. He was Super Bowl MVP, got a statue out front, and he was pretty much never heard from again. Made a lot of money. Signed a lot of deals, but from a playing standpoint, didn't do a whole lot after that, right? I'm not saying Brock Purdy is going to be that, but you cannot, you cannot rest the hopes and dreams of your entire franchise on Brock Purdy. He can be in, he can be involved in a competition, you know, going into the next season. That's as far as I would go because I don't know that I'm sold on Trey Lance either. Okay, so you got Trey Lance, you got Brock Purdy, and I think you do bring somebody in for some sort of a competition, whoever that somebody is, that somebody for me though, is not Tom Brady. Cause I think we saw this year, Tom Brady's his arrows pointing in the wrong direction. Now you can say it's because of the family situation and everything he had going on. I know that can affect pointing guys. up. I get it. It's pointing way down. Uh, I would not bring in Tom Brady. Number one, it's going to be too expensive. Number two, the it's it's the expectations are going to be way too much, and there's no way you can live up to it unless you win a Super Bowl. And I don't think he can do he can't put a team on his back to win a Super Bowl anymore. I would not bring in Tom Brady, but I would bring in a different quarterback, all out competition, winner take all. For me, Brock Purdy isn't the guy. Even if he goes to the Super Bowl, even if he wins the Super Bowl, this team is built around. I mean, look at Jimmy Garoppolo could take this team pretty far. I, I don't think that the quarterback is the guy, the, the main kind of, you know, fall for this team. I think that you could put in a pretty, you know, solid to average quarterback and they have a great defense. They have great weapons around them. They have great game planning. They have great coaches. Um, and so they don't need a whole bunch of production really out of their quarterback. But 
to me, why Trey Lance is still the guy is the draft capital that they gave up and the moves that they made to go get him as a franchise. I feel like you can't go back on that uh, just because he got hurt and you made a lot of decisions again to give up pieces in order to go get him. So uh, for me, the pecking order would go Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, and then potentially whoever that they bring in. And I'm, I'm with you, Vince. I don't think bringing in Tom Brady makes any sense in this situation. I think you could get it done uh, with Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. I don't think you can get it done with Trey Lance. I would cut my, my bait with him. Don't forget the Bears beat the 49ers with Trey Lance as the quarterback. And I know that it was a rainstorm and all that stuff, but the Bears got to play in it as well. And, you know, and others talk about, you know, Justin Fields and, you know, what, who are they going to draft at the number one pick and all that stuff. I think you both kind of backed up the points that I would make, you know, like Vince brought up money and, you know, Jesse brought up draft capital. Well, you know, it, they're probably going to keep Trey Lance around no matter yeah. what. And if it's Lance and Purdy competing for the job, okay. But if it ends up being Brock Purdy, like because of the fact that he was a seventh round draft pick and you don't have to pay him anything and they're already this good with him at quarterback. Cause like Jesse said that, the system obviously is not that reliant on the quarterback and look at the success that they've had. I mean, Jimmy G got him to the Super Bowl. We've seen his deficiencies. Brock Purdy is one win away from getting him to the Super Bowl. The fact that you have a quarterback that you have to pay that little for the next few years, it frees up that much more cap space and you can keep going out and adding to it. And, you know, you've got a quarterback you don't have to pay very much basically for for four years. So... I would want that around. I would still want somebody competing with him, but yes, I mean, hell, they've already told. I mean, like, and I get your, I get your Nick Foles thing, but he's a little bit different just because, like, he was already a journeyman who'd been around, you know, like kicked, <laughs> kicked around a little bit and caught lightning in a bottle. But you know, the kid, the kid doesn't play like a rookie. That's for I agree. Sure. Oh, he's on a hot streak. There's no doubt about it. He's got a ton of talent around him. He's he's using it. He's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. I just don't wouldn't feel comfortable just handing him the keys the day after the Super Bowl, being like, "All right, franchise is yours. Let's roll." Like I don't, I don't, yeah. that would make me uneasy as a 49ers fan. I mean, That's Jonathan I'm saying Brady threw for 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, nine. Thank you, Gabe. Jonathan. Hurt receiving court. Well, okay. But how about how about Mike Evans? Because those two never connected until the end of the. I mean, like you can talk about hurt receipt. He still had guys out there. It's you know, it's it's not like he had nothing out there. I don't completely buy that. I thought Jesse did. I thought Jesse was going to go all in on that one. <laughs> so what do you think about NFC Championship game? Niners, Eagles, 49ers are two and a half point underdogs. I like the Eagles to win that game. I think that um, both te- like Eagles have a top five offense and a top five defense. Um, I think their offense is better than the 49ers. And I think their defense is obviously not as good as the 49ers, but it's enough. Uh, basically, their offensive talent outweighs the gap between their difference between the 49ers defense in my eyes. I think their their offense makes up for uh, maybe their their lack of defense that is not quite as good as the 49ers. So I like the Eagles to win that game. They're also hosting that game. It is a crazy environment to play in Philadelphia. Some of the worst fans, uh, football fans in the world. And then for the Bengals and Chiefs, I think uh, I think Patrick Mahomes gets over that Joe Burrow hump, actually. I think he's he's heard about it. I think that the Bengals are making a lot of noise. Burrowhead Stadium for coming in, you know, to the five-time repeat AFC champion or, you know, a team that's been to the AFC championship five times in a row. You got to give them a little bit more respect. So I like both the home teams uh, in in this situation. So I think it's going to be an Eagles and Chiefs Super Bowl. But I think both games will be very close and very good. They'll come down uh, to the end. And I think in the Bengals and Chiefs, it's going to be whose offense can do a little yeah, bit more. We're, we're and not to the Bengals and Chiefs yet. We're on 49ers Eagles. Come on, 49ers <laughs> Eagles. I think the, the the winner will be determined who plays a little bit more uh, defense or a little bit. Are you going to let defense. Vince talk here? Are you going to let Vince talk? <laughs> Okay, I'm taking the Niners and I'm taking the Bengals. I'm done. <laughs> Complete opposites, huh? I'm, I am. I'm taking the opposite. I lo- as much as I just banged on Brock Purdy and what he bring, I still think the Niners defense is playing really, really well right now. And I think 
you've got, you know, McCaffrey and you've just got a ton of weapons offensively that Brock Purdy does a great job spreading the ball around to. And I look, the Eagles look practically invincible last week. So anything I say right now is going to sound ridiculous. I don't know why, but I'm, I think it's going to be the Niners. I don't know why I just do. So I'm taking the Niners plus the two and a half. I heard all these people last week, you know, I heard all this, Hey, you know, don't let what happens in one round of the playoffs influence how you feel in the next round of the playoffs. And then, you know, so what's happened? Well, now this week, a week later, the Eagles beat the crap out of a crappy Giants team, and everyone's all over the Eagles right now. I mean, the Eagles have one playoff win, and it's against the New York Giants. You know, they got a bye in the first round. They played one game against the second worst, maybe third worst team, one of the worst teams in the NFC in the playoffs. They beat them for a third time, and now everyone's all over the, the Eagles like they're world beaters. And, you know, the, the Giants have one of the, the two worst defensive teams in all of the playoffs, and that's who the Eagles ran over last week. So I'm, I just, I can't go all in on Philadelphia. You know, it, like it, it, it kind of gives me a little bit of doubt because everyone's going in on the Eagles right now, but you two went all in on the Giants last week. So it's like, I feel a little bit better right now. And Kyle Shanahan is seven and one against the spread in the postseason. So I'm going to go with the 49ers. And I'm also, I've been, I've been like going like this whole, how the chiefs get motivated by all this Bengals stuff. The Bengals are one and a half point underdogs going into uh Burrowhead or Arrowhead or whatever you want to call it. I picked the Niners and the Bengals at the start of the playoffs, so I'm going to stay with my pick, I guess, even though I think it's going to be a great game. Jesse? Vince? Go ahead on your soliloquy. The AFC winner. Go ahead, Mr. Home Team. Guys walking with a limp going to do it all for you. Go ahead. You know, it's – I hmm. – you brought up some good points about the Eagles. They haven't had to play <laughs> a lot of competition. Uh, and I went, uh, no, I went back to look at their regular season schedule, right? Because you started talking about that they got to play the Giants uh, in the playoffs. You look at their regular season schedule. The they best played, team they've beaten is the Cowboys. In yeah, the, they put the Lions, the Vikings, the Commanders, the Jaguars, the Cardinals, the Steelers, the Texans, the Commanders, the Colts, the Packers, the Giants, the Titans, the Bears. Uh, the Giants again, and the Saints. Like Their best opponent was probably the Cowboys because the Vikings were very fraudulent. And so then I was like, eh, let me double-check this. I Googled uh, strength of schedule uh, for NFL teams. The Eagles had the second easiest strength of schedule after the end of the regular season, after seeing where the rest of the teams had fallen. And now they get to play a very easy kind of New York team in the playoffs. And don't get me wrong, New York was solid, but they were amongst the weaker uh, you know, playoff teams. So I might have to backtrack. I think the the 49ers have played more of those physical kind of playoff games, and I don't know how the Eagles might respond if they get punched in the mouth. So I'm changing. I'm going rematch 49ers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Still yeah. sticking with the Chiefs, Their huh? schedule was as easy as, as the Cowboys. You're right. And they split their games, Jonathan. So, you know, let's let's not get our skis too far out ahead. Go ahead, Vince. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm all on uh, the Bengals. I just don't. Okay. I'm not that impressed with what the Chiefs have done. And they got a hop. Their best players hobbled. It's a high yeah. ankle sprain. 
That doesn't you know, heal weird, in six though. days. Like, I'm sorry. He, have you seen the video of him? Like, he's not showing any noticeable limp at all. Like, he practiced going down – like, the whole thing. It's like – He practiced going down steps. He called, he called Tyler well, Buckner. Hey, how do you go up and down steps? I got to know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> they showed him, you know, from his press conference, he walked down yeah, the steps. Like, that. there was no limp at all. Like I saw that. We'll see what happens. Did they really diagnose it right? Was it really a high ankle sprain? Because he shouldn't. He's just got the juices flowing at that point, and I think that's what makes Patrick Mahomes. He's just a gamer. You put a little cortisone in there too. He's not going to feel a thing in that ankle. Right. So uh, we need to to kind of reel back a little bit. We have one topic that we need to add here today because um, Twitter is now blowing up, and it looks like this happened literally right after the show started or right around the time the show was starting. James Laurinaitis is going back to Ohio State as a grad assistant to work with the linebackers there. Of course, he worked as a grad assistant one season here uh, along, you know, working for, for Marcus Freeman. And so now he is going back to his alma mater basically for the same position. He's going to he was a GA here. He's going to be a GA at Ohio State apparently so reaction to this news start with you Vince I'm lukewarm about it right whatever I feel worse the linebackers like if we all felt right you know like head and shoulders better about the linebackers that was going to be my exact point like are we all like happy with the way the linebacking core played last year because if we were then okay this is a huge loss I don't know that it's that big of a loss yeah okay so we don't have a name as a graduate assistant coaching linebackers. Well, that's because he played in the NFL and he doesn't need to be a full-time head coach with what they make, you know, money-wise. He could be a GA. That's why he's going back to Ohio State to be a GA again. My guess is he lives out there permanently. He was visiting Notre Dame and then decided to stay and be a coach. Yeah, I okay, maybe it stinks that he's leaving. Maybe he was a decent recruiter, whatever. The linebacking play was terrible. So Let's bring some new blood in. I'm fine with that. I I actually saw something kind of cool in the chat brought up by Larry. Like, how cool would it be to see someone like Coach Mason get a crack at coaching the linebackers or, you know, someone maybe get a little self-promotion within after seeing how hard the special teams play and seeing, you know, someone like Mason's kind of uh, – Vince said pass, whatever. Hard <laughs> pass. He's got his hands full with the number one uh, special teams unit in the country. I don't need his attention to. Yeah, but he's he's gonna want to start taking steps in his career. I guess is what Why? I'm saying. He can go he, from being special teams coordinator, being a head coach, just like that, easily. Okay. He doesn't need to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I would, you know, how much impact or lack of impact he had. Who knows? What we do know is the defensive coordinator is in charge of the linebackers, and if that is his position. He is the position coach for the linebackers, just like Marcus Freeman and Clark Lee were before him, and they performed at higher levels when those two guys were the position coaches for that specific group. I'd I'd like to see maybe the the defensive coordinator up his game and yeah, these guys you know, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'd be okay with Marcus Freeman coaching them up too. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, does this mean that Marcus Freeman gets a little bit back in the room? Gets his that you would know, be great. Input back in there, and I think it would be great because we saw it during the the bowl game, and I thought that it benefited the linebackers. And it's yep. a it's a great voice, and it's obviously he knows what he's talking about. He's played there at a high level, and I don't think it hurts to to have reintroduce him back in the room, eliminate maybe a, a voice out, declutter it a little bit, and then have someone like Marcus Freeman step in there a little bit. Yeah, and I you know I, I realized there are different different thoughts about how much the head coach should be involved with the position group and stuff like that. And we've talked before about Nick Saban, you know, working with defensive backs and stuff like that at Alabama. It's, it's, it's not like it has to take over all of his time. I mean, he's already a head coach who is very active in recruiting, definitely more active in recruiting than the previous head coach. And the previous head coach for a time was, was also dedicating a lot of his time to the quarterbacks. You know, we, we know, that he was doing that. I, I think that, you know, there, there are ways that Marcus Freeman can be involved just in the film room, for Absolutely. example, be in the film room with those guys and, and share your expertise with them and go over that. It's not like he has to spend every minute of a practice with that position group when they're out there 
on the practice field, but you've also got spring practice coming up. And I think that that's a, a time where, again, he still needs to oversee things, but, it, you know, you, you can't tell me that he can't carve out one period per practice to working with that specific position group because he bounces around to position groups anyway. And I'll just say this, just because you played the position doesn't mean you can coach it. That's all I've got to say about that. I'll be like Forrest Gump. That's all I've got to say about that. All I've got to say about that. Like, just stop naming good linebackers that could come in and coach. Like, that's that's not a solution. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Not. That's. that's, That's yes, because if that were the case, then everyone who ever played would be coaching someplace. Right. You know, Manti Teo isn't moving from from Hawaii to South Bend to be a graduate assistant. So let's put the brakes on there unless that's really what he wants to do his wife just had a baby like two weeks ago he's not going to become a graduate assistant in south bend like settle down yeah (sighs) well and like people are bringing up goolsby right now look as of right now there is no actual assistant coach opening you know you're gonna have to be a grad assistant which means that you're in school. <laughs> right. Like, so you can throw out all the names you want, but as of right now, the only position is for a grad assistant. So right. again, they have to be enrolled in a graduate program to Correct. be a grad assistant. Correct. That's part of the deal. Which means he'd have to quit. And they're not getting a full-time salary. Yes. Of being a talking head like that, right. you know? So yeah, I just don't see that being the case either. Yeah. I wanted to ask one thing before we leave and we've got a pretty pretty good group of people here a good cross sample so i'll be curious to see what experience people might have with this youtube tv does anyone have it has anyone tried it like do you like it do you not like it pros cons all that stuff because you know we're sunday ticket is leaving direct tv and uh, that means I've got to have my Sunday ticket. It's going to YouTube. Now, you can get it separate, but my wife hates DirecTV, so we're probably going to be getting rid of DirecTV at some point since Sunday ticket is leaving. So I'm just trying to find out, uh, you know, like if any people have experience with the YouTube TV, uh, do you like it? Do you not like it? Pros, cons, you know, the whole thing. Zone 6 says he likes it. And... Uh, Jonathan says YouTube TV is awesome. Jesse, have you have you ever used it before? I had it for a little bit, and I just remember not being overly impressed with it. But I had it like three, four years ago when I was in graduate school. So I can't remember a whole bunch of it. Um, we've thought about switching from Hulu to other streaming services. I know Naomi had a work friend that said YouTube TV wasn't worth it. So I don't think my opinion really should hold weight because I haven't really had it before and I'm just going off of hearsay. So um, again, when I had it a few years ago, I got recommended by one of my really good friends and he loved it, liked everything about it. And I think I had some sort of trial or something. So I don't know if I had all of the features, but I just remember not being too impressed with it. But again, that was three, four years ago. So I think they've added some things. You know, what's funny is I emailed you guys you know, the list of topics. And I just put YouTube TV at the end. And <laughs> a few hours later, I sent you guys that email at about what, maybe one o'clock or something like that. Yeah. Within about, about right. within about three hours, there's an email in my inbox Shut from up. T-Mobile <laughs> pitching me YouTube TV. They're wow. listening. <laughs> yes. Always listening. I know. Always. I know. Tyler says he can't switch yet. Got a good deal with DirecTV Stream a few years back. Got their best package for $25 a month. That's that's pretty good if you can get that for $25 a month. But I've heard that, you know, like the YouTube thing has, you know, a DVR and all that mm. kind of stuff, which is which well, is a definite plus. I know so. our boss has it, and he enjoys it because he can pause and go back and all of that on games. So, I mean, there's that feature, obviously. So... Right. All right. Well, I'll have to I'll have to get his input. I'll have to see what he has to say about it. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight, guys. A lot of uh, topics we were able yeah, baby. to address. 
Hit the like button if you would on your way out. We do appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend and enjoy this weekend because football, two games on Sunday, and then we have no football next week. So I know. Scary. I know. Scary. We've got three real football games left until next year. And then the USFL kicks in or whatever happens the week after the Super Bowl. So we have three real football games. (laughs) Or maybe that's the XFL. I can't remember which one's which. All I remember is there's two spring leagues coming. One one starts the week after and one starts in April. Right. So we're going to have a lot of bad football to watch. Yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. All right. Well, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you Monday on IB Nation Sports Talk.